This show is part of the Pika Science Podcast, studying the intersection of video games and science. Hey everyone, it's Madison. Just a few quick announcements. So first, we're going to be announcing our Patreon information very soon. And I think you'll see that going forward, we're going to try to have rewards feel very different. We want to make sure that you know how much we appreciate your love and support. Uh, Next, we're going to be announcing our first virtual community event very soon. And I hope you'll come hang out with us and spend some time with us and get to know us. Uh, Finally, I am posting the Discord link here and everything is open. So please come join us, talk to us, uh, submit your questions to us, you know, get a chance to chat with other fans. We, you know, appreciate all of you. And before I say anything else, I just want to say if you could please make sure you like and subscribe iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, you know, leave five star reviews. They're really helpful and we appreciate it. We appreciate all of you. And finally, I want to say this. I don't talk about my personal life a lot and I don't want the show to ever feel like it's about me, but I just want to say I appreciate you all. And, you know, the journey I've been through the past three years has been quite a bit. There's been a lot of ups and downs, but at the end of the day, I'm really happy and I'm very grateful, not just for the amazing friends I have and the people I get to work with here, you know, my relationship with the girls, but my chosen family as well. But additionally, I'm honestly really grateful for all of you, you know, giving me a chance and sticking around and seeing where the show goes. I think you're going to like it as we continue to go through some of these changes and growth and I can't wait to show you what else we have in store. So that said, I love you all. Thanks. Coming to you live from a radio tower near you, studying the intersections of video games and science. This is Pokey Science. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'm Madison, and today I am joining Dr. Ray and Chelsea. Uh, and we are here today to talk about primates. 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 Look at that. Our guest is already making jokes here. Look at that. We we aren't even into the topic and we're already making jokes. I love it. So we're going to jump right in and kind of jump right into the topic. And I'm going to hand things over to Ray and Chelsea here. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Joy. Could you go ahead and tell our audience, who are you and what exactly do you do in your uh, field? Oh my God. What do I do? My name is Joy. I go by micro online uh, or micro goes wild. I study primate parasites, uh, not necessarily specifically primate parasites, but that is my most recent uh, line of work. I guess the broader spectrum would say, I say that I study veterinary parasitology. So anything that has to deal with captive animal health, it's within my jurisdiction. I am a vet tech. I am a lab tech. And I also do a little bit of zookeeping on the side. And I work with primates, mostly gibbons and uh, what else? Some baboons, homodryas baboons, olive baboons, things like that. In terms of research, I most recently worked on uh, a research project that deals with gelata parasites. Gelatas are a type of baboon that are found in Ethiopia. And because of the habitat, it's very excluded. They're high up in the mountains and they're only found there. So our research project was kind of get centered on figuring out what their parasite load is like because we've never seen it before. You know, we've never seen these guys before. We've never had a chance to examine their poop before. So we're kind of just looking at things like tapeworm, giardia, whatever we can find just to see more of kind of a survey just to see what we can report on uh, things that are found in these guys. Do you ever feel like Dr. Ellie Settler 
uh, sorry, grad student Ellie Sattler in Jurassic Park, you got like your arm like hand deep in like a pile of poop. Not necessarily. So I am lucky enough that I have never had to just go full into, you know, some hot, wet poop. And if I do, it's usually because I live in Arizona. The sun does a very good job of drying it up and making it, you know, dry and compact for collection. Oh, cow pies. Yeah. So I have not had uh, the misfortune of having to get stuck in a hot splat, I'll say. But I, I wouldn't be mad about it, I think. For, for research, wouldn't be too bad about I, it. I don't know. I think you're like braver than the Marines for doing this type of research. I had to collect poop for one research project from lizards. And every day I was just sit there and think about how I ended up collecting poop in little tubes. It's like, I don't want to do this again. It's like, I how think. did I get here? You know those memes where they're always like, uh, it's like, yep, you're wondering, probably wondering how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One time when I caught one and it like pooped all the way down my arm, I was like, hmm. <laughs> oh, and lizard poop smells too. So I can imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then sorry. you can see all the beetle pieces in it. Uh, I had a great time. I'm frowning, but yeah. that's amazing. It's really exciting. <laughs> Thank you so much for telling us more about that. You definitely wear many hats and it's like really cool to see. Also, I had never heard of a gelada baboon before. They're very cool. And I just looked it up. And uh, for our listeners, it is also called the Bleeding Heart Monkey because it has like this red design on its chest. It's really cool. It looks really metal. It's now my new favorite baboon. You should also look it up, please. Are they so cool? I love them so much. But speaking of baboons, some like monkeys in general, how, how do we define primates? Tell us what a primate is. And how do we define them, if there's even a clear way to do that? Um, I will try my best. I would say the simple answer, at least for the layperson, would be anything that falls under the order primate, which would be classified as things that have dexterity. So we're thinking of flexible hands and feet. You know, we're thinking of things that can grab, usually have thumbs, larger brains, really good eyesight. In terms of apes and things like that, we're looking at pretty high intelligence, uh, problem-solving skills, and things like that. I think that would be a very simple definition that most people could kind of grasp onto. Now, just to be clear, uh, primates, uh, are, are they're not the same as, are they the same as monkeys? Primates are monkeys, or primates are apes? So primate is the order, I believe, and then you have your monkeys, you have your apes, and then you have things like prosimians, which are like uh, lemurs, lorises, uh, like lemurs and lorises i think are like the, the other ones that are not monkeys but they're what i think they're called prosimians because they evolutionarily came first i was gonna say we we have a pokemon named Passimian. yeah i saw that i'm not familiar with that pokemon but i did see it when i was when i was looking up more primates it's like a lemur yeah <laughs> is that one of the newer generation ones i'd uh, be t- three generations ago okay yeah that's that's past my childhood so i i recommend the newer games they are good i've heard i've heard i okay. um i think my latest pokemon installment was pokemon go back in 2016 that was like as deep as i got into it and that was really fun and I, I haven't gotten a game since then we're gonna fix that yeah i'm ready I'm ready for the recommendation so I'm going to hop in and ask you about the invertebrate side of your work. So the parasites. So could you tell us what are parasites and maybe what is parasitism? 
Sure. So I'll start with what is parasitism because I feel like it's easier to define. Parasitism is a, is a type of symbiotic relationship that involves one organism, for lack of a better term, using another organism for a nutritional or reproductive gain. And what that typically means is living on or in another organism, temporarily or permanently. We do see some that make that permanent change. Um, but it typically just means one organism is benefiting and the other is either harmed or not necessarily not necessarily changed in any way, any significant way, I'll say. And then in terms of what is a parasite, so that gets a little bit sticky because, again, parasitism is the broader definition that just involves the relationship. But parasites, we tend to be a little bit more specific, which we, I guess, would define as invertebrate creatures that do these parasitic things, that have these parasitic uh, relationships. So we're thinking of helminths like worms, we're thinking of ectoparasites like fleas and ticks, maybe mites, you know, things that live on the bodies of other animals for a nutritional gain. Sometimes you see it for a reproductive gain, like um, hookworms, for example, they inhabit the, the intestines and they kind of hook onto the intestines and they suck blood. So they have their nutrition, but they also are there for reproduction. So they're there so they can continue the reproductive cycle usually involves more than one host, uh, which is really fun also when you get into host-parasite relationships. So are the primates that you study then just chock full of parasites or? They are. So it's one of those things where you go into, I, like, I get, like I said before, I typically study captive animal health. So I'm looking at things that are coming into the veterinary office or things that are held at the zoo. But this research project that I most recently was working on with ASU, uh, these are wild gelatos. So these are completely untouched monkeys up in the up in the you know Simeon Mountains that have never essentially been examined before. And you would think that they have a whole lot going on in there, and they do, which is very fun. When you said that, I imagine like one of the uh, primates like slapping the human's hand away from it, and be like, "Don't touch me! Don't touch me! I am <laughs> I am untouchable!" Right. <laughs> But yeah, so we see um, one of the things that my, I guess, former boss now, I just finished my contract with ASU, so I'm no longer there. But one of the things that they were looking at primarily was tapeworm in these gelatas. So they had these gelatas up in the Simeon Mountains that had these huge tumors on their faces. And it was was kind of one of these things like, well, what the heck is that, right? Is it cancerous? What's going on? You know, is it a hormone imbalance? And it turns out it was tapeworm. So they were dissecting these tumors and finding full adult tapeworms inside. And it's very fun. So after that, I think, is when they decided to go in and start looking at poop. And that's where I came in um, to kind of help figure out what else is in there. So, you know, and you find all kinds of things. You find tapeworm, you find hookworm, you find, you know, there is this really cool one that I like called Trichurus vulpus, or Trichurus is the the broader name. and they're kind of they're kind of shaped like almost like a almost like tacos in a weird way, you know. It's very cute, but uh, yeah, there's there's all kind of things in there: Giardia, Cryptosporidium. Parasite shaped like tacos. The, the parasite shapes are one of my favorite things. Um, I specifically look at their eggs, their ova, and that's typically how you can differentiate between parasites is their the ova morphology. Okay. And you, there's some pretty fun things in there. So you would think eggs are all circular or oval-shaped, which most of them are. Um, but then you get things like Trichuris or Capillaria, which 
which are these kind of egg-shaped or garlic-shaped, or, you know, there's also pinworm, which kind of looks like garlic a little bit. That's my favorite parasite. <laughs> they kind of look like little garlic cloves. They're very cute, and they're like this or- like golden-orange color, very beautiful. I think some of the best uh, microscope photography I've ever taken was of pinworms, and they're just amazing, amazing, amazing. And so you mentioned uh, paras- parasitism as being a certain type of symbiotic relationship. Are there other types of symbiotic relationships we should be aware of as well? Yeah. So there's, I believe, four core ones. um, And you guys can probably correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe there is parasitism, commensalism, mutualism, and there's one more blanking on. Oof. Uh, Parasitism, commensalism, mutualism, and it's gone. I'm sorry. But there's four. (laughs) It's I only knew that I only saw that there was three, so I'm like I can't help. I'm, I'm no, yeah. no help. There's another one that I always forget, but uh, parasitism, like I said, is the one where one organism benefits and the other is usually harmed. And then there's mutualism where they both uh, they both benefit. And I'm trying to think of an example of a mutualistic symbiotic relationship. So there's uh, mutualism, com- commensalism. parasitism, and competition. Competition is the other one. Yes, but it it se- it looks like. Competition's not counted in by everyone. Yeah, there's kind of some about whether or not that's actually. And then some people are saying predation is also a type, but that doesn't make sense. I think that's just a regular ecological function. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a symbiotic relationship, but I'm also not the expert in that. Got it. Parasites, yes. All symbiosis, no. Yeah. So I cannot ask you questions about Symbiotic Titan, the award-winning TV show that needs to be brought back. That makes me sad. I've never heard of that show, actually. <gasps> Heartbreak. I, I will look it up. It sounds pretty dope. Okay, so before we go to Pokemon, though, like I have another question. So what kind of things can we learn about animals and like their health um, by studying the parasites like within their feces and such? Like, what benefits do we get from studying those relationships and those, like, the parasites? Yeah, what's really cool about studying parasites is that one of the aspects of, of, you know, animal science that I've had to get really smart about is their behavior and just kind of their ecology. You know, um, because I work with primates a lot of the time to understand their parasite relationships, you have to understand their social relationships, you know, with with uh, some of the Debraza monkeys, for example, in the zoo that I that I volunteer with. You know, you'll tend to see them picking, you know, picking ticks and things from their hairs. And that's something that's a typical primate behavior, right? But it's focused on these parasite networks. And these parasites kind of take advantage of those niches in ways that influence the primate's behavior. So what you see a lot of the time is primates that tend to be closer in relationship and tend to groom each other more often will have higher parasite loads than those who don't. So the ones that are kind of social outcasts or kind of getting kicked out of the troop because they're getting older, they tend to not have that many parasites. And I think it's because the parasites themselves have kind of figured out like, oh, well, he's not really spending a lot of time with anybody. So I'm going to go find the other ones, you know. Is this like why some kids were likely to get chicken pox back in the day? I know you guys are maybe too young for this, but like some kids were likely and other kids were like, well, I never had chicken pox. Because they, they, they just were not part of the social period. You know, I think I think organisms like viruses and parasites, you know, um, the parasites I study are mostly eukaryotic, but we can talk about like 
like pox virus and things like that too. I think what's really cool about those types of microorganisms is that they figure it out very fast. You know, I like to, I like to think of parasites as like a really angry gym trainer who's just like, you know, whipping you and telling you to hurry up and get into shape and run up and down the stairs and do your squats. And, you know, they're keeping you in shape because evolutionarily we're constantly evolving and trying to keep these guys out or lessen the, lessen the, the sickness, right. Lessen the impact that they have. And as quickly as we're doing that, they're also like cracking the code, right. They're constantly figuring out another way and another way and another way. And that's kind of why these host networks are so special, you know, is because you can't, like I said, you have to understand the behavior. You have to understand the sociology and the ecological network as a whole to understand why these parasites are so success. So excuse me to understand why these parasites are so successful in one host over the other, if that makes sense. So I do have one other question then. What would happen if we were to eliminate all parasites? Oh man, um, we wouldn't be here for very long, I think. There is, I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of the hygiene hypothesis, but it's a hypothesis that essentially states- No idea. It's, it's and I'm going to butcher it. So if there's people who actually study this uh, in their research, please correct me. But my understanding of the hygiene hypothesis is that parasites have essentially biologically engineered our immune systems in ways that teach us to specifically fight these types of parasitic infections. And when we, you know, when we kind of got really smart about sanitation and things like that, especially in in the US and like the UK, uh, we tend to see lower parasite loads as a result of that. And because of that, we tend to have higher allergies and, you know, eczema and things like that. So there is this theory that hygiene is what causes or what leads to higher prevalence in allergies and autoimmune disorders and things like that. Um, So I think eliminating the parasites would probably give us a whole lot of other sicknesses that we are not biologically prepared to deal with. See, Colby had two good questions. (laughs) Uh, so we're actually going to move on. Uh, we got to talk about Pokemon because that's why we're here. We're here to talk about video games and science together. Uh, specifically today, Pokemon, though, maybe, maybe other video games coming soon. Looking at you, Dr. Ray, looking at you, Dr. Ray. Uh, I'll get on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to, we got to do it. We got other stuff we got to do. Um, we got a whole world to tackle in Elden Ring, uh, which I've never played. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. There's probably lots of parasites in Elden Ring, honestly. <laughs> Are dragons parasites? Ooh, good question. They have hordes. And they're technically, <laughs> they technically steal and live off of other creatures' work. Mm. Let's put a pin in that one. We'll come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, yeah the, the case for smog being a parasite. There you go, episode oh one. Goodness. Love it. Uh, so... What primates, and I know that there's some that you may not have, you may aren't aware of, but like what primates do we see in the Pokemon games? Because it's all over the place, right? It's all over the place. Um, Off the top of my head, Primate, Mankey, uh, Chimchar, those are the three that come to mind immediately. Ipom and Ambipom are some others. And then I know that there's like a lemur one that I've seen. And then there's also like, I forgot what what his name is, but he's kind of gorilla inspired. Well, and we have, uh, my favorite is, is one of my absolute favorite Pokemon ever, 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 ever is Infernape. Infernape, yes. Who's, uh, you know, our son Wukong. Uh, we have a Rangaroo who is our orangutan. Uh, those are primates too, right? Yeah. 
Uh, Darmotten is supposed to be an orangutan as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think Rillaboom is a gorilla. Oh, Rillaboom. There yeah. it is. That's it. Rillaboom. It was the one starter I didn't use in Gen, in gen 8 was Rillaboom. <laughs> Which I should know because VGC. Uh, yeah, Rillaboom. That's right. And you got all like the pan sage, pan, pan seers, all those little monkey pan guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are cute. cute uh, Passimian. Yeah. Um, Hot take. I think they're terrible. Are they? Pan seer? I think all the pans are terrible. I, mean, I second I, that. I I think everyone would agree that, like stats wise, they're pretty bad, but they're adorable. I don't think they're even cute. I'm sorry. <gasps> I think Chelsea oh and I ripped God. into them uh, in an earlier podcast. Actually, we did. We called them <laughs> this sounds familiar. I love <laughs> We took a five minute break to talk about how terrible they are. <laughs> Pan oh, Sage is no. the cutest. They're very uh, cute. Oh my goodness. I, I do think they're really cute. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so we have quite a bit. Um, Zayrude? Zayrude? How do you say it? I say Zayrude. Zyrude. Yeah. Zyrude. Zyrude. I can't pronounce names of anything, so I know we're gonna get we're gonna get angry comments on iTunes that we mispronouncing things. I, I know that and I apologize. To be fair, I can barely pronounce normal words, so same. So <laughs> cut us some slack. <laughs> we've this we've like, you know, talked about some of our favorite primate Pokemon, but like Overall, what does Pokemon get right about primates? Like, are they like really far off, or is it just like they took the the primate and then just added some cool colors to it? <laughs> um, I pretty much kept it the same. I think, I mean, I think some of the things they get right is the variety, right? So that you you get they kind of check all the all the boxes, right? You have your great apes, you have like Rillaboom, you have someone that's inspired by apes. You have a lot of variations of monkeys, and then you even have like a lemur, and I think there's even like a an, um, what do they call those guys? Uh, a loris, I think is there's one that's inspired by a loris. I looked it up last night, and I can't cannot remember now. But I think primarily what they get right about primates is just the variety, right? Because when you say primate, people automatically think monkey with a tail, um, and they kind of forget the other ones for a minute. And I'm glad that Pokemon at least is like, no, 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 wait, there are tons of different types of primates here that we can choose from. I think they also get the the mischief aspect pretty right in a lot of ways. You know, primates are kind of known for their intelligence and their inquisitiveness. Is inquisitiveness a word? I think it is. <laughs> in- inquisitive nature. You know, they're, they're problem solvers. And I think in Pokemon, I think Pokemon by default are problem solvers, right? They're, they're here yeah. to, to do a thing, right? But with primates in Pokemon, you kind of see, you know, like with Pansier, they're, they're kind of cheeky. They're kind of getting into trouble, you know? And I think that's very on brand for primates. No, it definitely is. And I I think you're right. Like one of the, the main things that I've always like appreciated, even though I never I never end up with a primate Pokemon on my team unless it's like a starter, <laughs> depending on the design. I I think that these I think these are pretty good in terms of variation. Um like the one you were talking about, um, the the Loris is like a Loris slash I I think yeah. that's Graphi, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm so sorry to I too. Graphi, I forgot about him. Yeah, he's really cool. Um, I think he like like has like paints on his fingers, and I know in like the 
the recent games, um, Scarlet and Violet, you can find them in this forest where the trees look painted, like um, either from graffiti that the the team did, or probably just from these these little primates painting on the trees, <laughs> which is really cool. I I I think like a big part of it is just like oh man, look at all of these cool primates in here. And then Pastimian is is also like a good one too. Um, it looks like it's playing uh, football, like I guess American football or like rugby. I think it's rugby. Rugby, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's rugby. Rugby is analogous to American football. No, they're very different. That's I know. I know many angry lesbians disagree with you. Them. That's what I hear. I know nothing about sports. <laughs> I the only sport I can re- reliably know anything about is like actual football and cricket. Otherwise, I'm. Oh, I could tell you nothing about cricket. (laughs) Cricket is a great sport, and I feel like it is underappreciated. Isn't it like the most watched sport in the world after like football? (laughs) Yes. I mean, that was the whole reason Disney lost all those viewerships was they lost the rights to cricket in India because because it was that much it was that much of their subscriptions. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was that much of their subscriptions for Disney Plus was uh, cricket. Wow. (laughs) But. Passimian is it's a lemur it's that like lemur you were talking about mm-hmm. but like looking at all this great representation of the variety of primates there are out there what does pokemon get wrong like is there anything that is actually like no this this does not exist you combine like five different primates <laughs> like something like that <laughs> um what do they get wrong about primates i it could also be that they got like nothing wrong they've just been doing perfect like no no no, no, for the Pokemon company. Good job. Or should some things, like, are we missing things that, like, are underrepresented? Are there... I mean, in terms of underrepresentation, I think I personally would just like to see some Gibbons. That's just my personal favorite primate. So, and it's not something that they got wrong, but it's just like, hey, you got... You know, when you think of primates and you want to include primates in a video game like Pokemon, of course you're going to think of gorillas, right? Of course you're going to think of different types of monkeys you know maybe even a baboon or two pretty cool that they got some pro simians but i would love to see some lesser apes i feel like the lesser apes don't get any don't get any love you know people tend to forget about them so i would like to see some given representation given supremacy it's interesting that you like mention gorillas because i feel like they're like one of the most charismatic primates there's only like one like solid gorilla and then there was like i think um an orangutan yeah there's an orangutan but then like slacking is kind of like gorilla based but i expected that there would have been more because of how charismatic gorillas are and i would assume that they probably held off on that for that reason they were like we don't want to oversaturate with gorilla type pokemon you know true but but there's lots of other like i feel like there's also lots of other um animals that they could pick from or like other things they could do there's so many like fish pokemon i know you know there's so many cooler marine creatures that you could do instead of like fish fish you know yeah like for just giving a general example i also don't like fish but that's the story for another day That's, that's fine. Fish I, are I, not real. I think our our fish uh, fish friends would disagree that there's not enough fish diversity. <laughs> do we need a Zabumafu Pokemon? We are the do. listeners too young for this? We do yes. need a Zabumafu Pokemon. <laughs> Absolutely. I I feel like if we had maybe one or two different types of lemurs, right? Because I I forgot which uh, what was it that we said? Pan Simeon was the lemur one. 
uh, Pasimian. Pasimian, yeah. And I'm not familiar with that one, but I have seen him. I think I would assume that he's based off a of ringtailed. When people think lemur, they think ring ringtailed lemur. I want to see like a red rough lemur or like a common ground lemur. You know, the kind that no one, not to say no one cares about, but no one knows a whole lot about. Um, I think my favorite lemurs are red roughs. So, and they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous animals. Um, they have this like really robust red fur and they kind of have like these black kind of like, it almost looks like they're wearing headphones. It's like a black wrap around, around their ears and head, you know, and then these like bright yellow, orange eyes. So I feel like that would be like a pretty cool Pokemon to try to emulate. I personally enjoy, um, a dwarf lemur. I think those are adorable. I am a sucker for tiny animals. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. They didn't make cuter, uh, smaller, bigger eyed Pokemon, primate Pokemon for us. And even then, if they were going to make some smaller, cute monkeys, even, you know, if we had like a, like a marmoset or like a, you know, what's the other ones that are pretty small like that? Squirrel monkeys, you know, I feel like we had, if we had a Pokemon that was, that was inspired by squirrel monkeys, that would be pretty cool. Kind that can like ride on your shoulder and, you know, very small. So going back over to the parasite portion, I guess before we even get into like the questions that we already had for you, like, are there examples of parasites in Pokemon? Only a few. And it's kind of, okay. So by definition, right, parasites are organisms that inhabit other organisms. So I don't think we have direct parasite Pokemon, but you do have things like Paris and Parasect, which are like these insect type Pokemon that have parasitic mushrooms on their back. You know, um, so the mushroom, you could say, is the parasite, but not necessarily the Pokemon itself. And then you also could make a case for some of the ghost and psychic type Pokemon that they're parasitic because of their abilities. You know, I know that um, what's the one that has the ability to like possess other Pokemon and people? I think it's un- unknown or unknown, however they pronounce it in the game. It's spelled like unknown without the K. He has the ability it's to possess. pronounced unknown. Unknown, yeah. He has the ability to possess other Pokemon and control their their bodies and their movements. And that's parasitic to a T, right? There are parasites that have the ability to change your brain chemistry and change your behavior. You know, there's a parasite that, oof, I'm going to forget the name right now, that infects cats, uh, Toxoplas- Toxoplasma gondii, I believe, and this is the one that they warn you about when you're pregnant. They say, oh, don't scoop cat litter because of Toxoplasma gone. You know what I mean? And what's cool about that parasite is that they control the behavior of rats or mice. To uh, Rats and mice have this innate ability to steer clear of cat urine, right? Because cat urine is such a significant smell, they're biologically hardwired to avoid it. But when rats are infected with Toxo, they, for some reason, they're whatever the receptors are that are connected to sexual pleasure, they that kicks on when they smell cat urine, if they're infected with toxo. So it makes them want to go to it. So they spend more time around cats because of that, which makes them more susceptible to being you know, killed and eaten by a cat, which then gives the cat the parasite. Um, and then the parasite gets to control its life cycle. Uh, but that's, it's pretty cool because parasite, you do see parasites that have that ability to kind of, you know, sit in, sit in the, the head seat and kind of pull strings and make you do things, which is pretty cool. Um, and people can have that parasite too. And one of the warnings that they say with people who are infected with Toxo, which is a lot of us, by the way, I believe the statistic is like one third of the global population has Toxoplasma gondii. 
they affect our behavior. They make us more reckless. You know, people who are infected with Toxo get into more frequent uh, driving accidents. You know, they spend more money. They tend to have what presents as like manic episodes, you know, things like that. So pretty cool stuff. But I think in terms of Pokemon, yeah, there's not a lot of parasites. So now I can blame that for why I'm spending money. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like, not my fault. It's the parasite. It's the parasites within me. I, I do want to ask, though, do you consider the shelter that attaches to Slowbro a parasite? Maybe. I know that... I don't know a whole lot about that Pokemon, but I know that it's like they're two distinct... I don't want to say organisms. Are they organisms in Pokemon? Yeah. Yeah. They're two separate organisms, right? And again, parasitism Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that the host is harmed more so than just inhabited, right? They're just being used in one way or another, even if it's just for a ride, you know? Um, So I would, I would say so. I think so. I think there's also, um, oof, I almost forgot, or maybe I did forget. I was going to bring up another one that, kind of is born from the shell like the discarded exoskeleton or shell of another pokemon do you know what i'm talking about oh shed ninja shed ninja yeah yeah so that would be a parasite too you know or by definition i think and it's not necessarily that it's inhabiting another organism but it's using the biological remains of another organism for its you know for its growth and its metabolic gain so i think that would technically be considered parasitism also it's fascinating so for the few kind of uh, examples that Pokemon has about parasites, what have they gotten wrong and right about it so far? Um, I think what they get right is the they really emphasize the fact that the host organism is not necessarily harmed in ways that are directly visible. You hmm. know, when you think of parasites, we tend to think of disease, which those are my favorite types of parasites, obviously, the ones that cause disease, the ones that show, you know, the ones that have visual representations of infection, like the gelatas with the tumors, for example. You know, those are the good ones. But when you think of parasites that just kind of hang out and not don't really do much, you know, what are the sharks that have the parasites that just kind of hang out in their, their eye sockets? You know, they eat the eyeball and then they just kind of stay for the ride, you know? Um, things like that, where the sharks the sharks aren't necessarily, like, obviously their quality of life is altered, but it's not in a way that drastically alters their quality of life, if that makes sense. Um, and I think Pokemon does a really good job of emphasizing those types of parasitic relationships, where it's like, one is benefiting and the other is just kind of going on about their regular day-to-day. So what kind of parasites would you like to see in the Pokemon games? I'm going to assume a you would like to see a tapeworm parasite. Yes, I was going to say. I also would like to see one. I was going to say, I want to see more helmets. So I'm I'm the helminth guy, right? I love the worms. And for those who don't know what helminths are, those are just the classification of parasites that are worms, right? So tapeworm, hookworm, roundworm, pinworm, you know, the ones, they're usually, uh, they usually infect the gastrointestinal tract. But I would love to see a helminth parasite that does something similar, you know, that can infect a Pokemon from the inside and then kind of worm its way out. Uh, I think that would be really cool to see. It'd be a pretty cool move too, you know. The Pokemon used burst open and right. flooded the arena <laughs> with worms. <laughs> parasite used, I don't know, let me think. I'm trying to think of a really cool mechanism that one parasite uses, like hookworms, for example. They, they go in through the bottoms of feet 
you know, if you're stepping oh, on God. like sandy, loamy soil, especially like in the in the south, you know, they go in through the pores in your feet and they work their way up to your bloodstream and then they make it to your lungs. <laughs> and Madison's shaking her head like, so no, hard right now. <laughs> and they, they get to your lungs and then they uh, kind of tickle the back of your throat so that you cough them up into your mouth. And then oh you, my god! And then you cough them up into your mouth, and then you swallow them, and then when you swallow them, they go into the GI tract, and that's how they find <laughs> they find your intestines, right? So, <laughs> I, can we not have that one in the game? <laughs> <laughs> I think if there was a parasite like that, like a hookworm parasite, how, I would be all over it. How would you? How would you even put that into the game? Well, so I have an idea actually. So, because uh, parasitic wasps, that's something I do, and you and I talked about that actually. I uh, when we, we were because uh, you and I've been chatting for a while because i know that they're reproductive uh because i want i did want to talk about them in our reproductive episode uh there are some parasitic wasps that have a really unique reproductive cycle because they were the basis for the xenomorphs and that Mm -hmm. is the reason i know (laughs) (laughs) that they you know a lot of parasitic wasps lay eggs inside of other animals so i almost wonder if there could be like a wasp pokemon that you need like a durant on your team i almost thought there was wasn't there a wasp uh, so we we do have a wasp Pokemon, but i mean like one that you would also need durant on your team oh, gotcha. so that the only way you could have the egg is if you had the durant uh, and then like 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 you know the durant just disappears and all of a sudden you have like three new wasp random, eggs yeah that's yeah. amazing that was pretty cool i think that would be the way to do it <laughs> i think there's a there's a butterfly that does that too ironically yeah 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 there's a whole bunch of uh like i know uh um arthropods that Arthropods, right word, right? Yes. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of arthropods that I know do stuff like that where they're like parasitic in the way that they lay eggs inside of other animals. And like trick them uh, into feeding their own. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then they're born from either a live or dying <laughs> carcass of something else. Yeah. <laughs> Which is gross, but alien-like. Super metal. Uh, but also like, you know, we have, uh, did, uh, I'm going to say it wrong again, Dodonzo? Dodonzo. Because we could ha- we, we we could have a parasitic Pokemon that has like a relationship like Tatsugiri and Dodonzo, where like you know the parasite has to be with the host Pokemon, and maybe the parasite would have like an ability that when it's with a certain host, that host would get like a bonus to attack or something. Yeah, you know, like that'd be pretty cool. like that would be because we we do see that we have um we have uh, two fish Pokemon that do that, where it's a parasitic relationship or a symbiotic relationship, and the Tatsugiri goes in, in its mouth, and then the stats increase. Uh, so we could see that. That would be really interesting. That'd be pretty cool. I just looked it up, and it's Dondozo. 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 Yes. Dondozo. Like a Don. Oh, you can't gotcha. me on the day of my daughter's yep. wedding. <laughs> um, I really do. I also like really enjoy their designs. Like Tatsugiri is clearly the sushi, and mm-hmm. Don Dozo looks like the sushi chef. Anyways, uh, but also like you could have it so that the ability does the other effect, so that the parasite shows up on your side and then infects an opponent. That's what I was thinking. So right. like maybe their stats drop and your your partner like so it'd be really cool in doubles. Like, you know, your parasite worm disappears, but then your opponent's Pokemon's stats just drop. Right. And I think that would be really cool, especially if they were fighting in like a very specific place. For example, like I said, hookworm, they they do well in like the sand, right? So if you were like fighting on the beach or something, you know, and your Pokemon had the ability to release a parasite into this into the terrain that could infect somebody else. 
Oh no, I'm more thinking like like the Pokemon would be the parasite and it would disappear once oh, it's on I the field. Like its ability would be to infect I the opponent and then it's just gone. So if you're doing doubles, they still have two on the field, but you have one. I see. But like yeah, yeah, one yeah. of theirs is now infected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think no, that'd I be a really cool ability and a really interesting mechanic. I, I think it's there'd be dope. some really creative uses with that. That's pretty dope. That's my thought. Sorry. <laughs> No, these are I. I'm not saying I'm opposed to parasite Pokemon. I'm just you know, <laughs> I keep thinking of like a Pokemon bursting out of another Pokemon in the yeah. middle of a battle, and I'm like, oh no, I don't know if like, I want to no. play that. <laughs> I can imagine like the health of it. You know, could you imagine like the recovery of a Pokemon that got attacked by a parasite? You know, you probably would be able to use them for a while. Yeah. Nurse Joy is going to have to be like, I'm going to have to keep your Pokemon for like a couple days. Come back. (laughs) Come back in a week or something. I don't know. I've enjoyed talking with you and I'm sure Ray and Chelsea have too. Um, Hopefully our listeners enjoyed it. But like, where can they follow you and find you to learn more about primates and parasites? Uh, Primarily Twitter. So you can find me. While it's still here. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Yeah, well, (laughs) in its last days, right? Um, Twitter and Blue Sky for that matter. So Micro Goes Wild, I think I am on all platforms with that. Micro Goes Wild, and that's M-I-C-R-O Goes G-O-E-S Wild, W-I-L-D. Um, you can also find me on Instagram with that handle. I have to double check and see if I have periods in between my words on Instagram. It might be micro.goes.wild, but if not, it's one word. I just have to double check because I don't remember who I am. And then TikTok, which I don't use a whole lot, but I do have some older videos with my parasitology things on there. So if you're interested in that, uh, again, micro goes wild everywhere. Well, that was fun. Uh, thank you so much for coming with us. Uh, this was a great, uh, great time. Thanks for having uh, I'm me. Not this was awesome. Too grossed out here. <laughs> I hope not. I didn't lose too much of my breakfast, so. <laughs> Uh, but we'd love to have you back sometime. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you, uh, Ray and Chelsea, for being here too this morning. Thank you all for thank you. having fun parasite conversations with me. <laughs> I look forward to more in the future. Do people call you a parasite sometimes? Do they me or Joy? Anyone? Uh, no, never. No. Someone's called me that. I'm a Joy and a wonder to have around. I've called people <laughs> parasites, but nobody's ever called me a parasite. Yeah, I've. I've called my children parasites a couple times. Oh, oh no! <laughs> in the in a good way, right? They need my body for for nutrients. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes up sense. To a, up to a point, but yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess babies, and technically, I guess, yeah, because by definition, when, when you're feeding them, yeah, yeah, they are a biological yeah. force that requires your biology to live. So I, I will be discovering that next year. So uh, <laughs> thank you very much, everyone. We'll see you guys back here next time. Uh, it was fun. See you. Bye.